Forgiveness. Have you ever felt wronged by someone? What they've done or said has hurt you deeply, and every time you think of them, the hurt and even the anger returns. I'm sure each of us has experienced this at one time or another, perhaps many times. I was just reading a book series that recounted the lives of three brothers who had hurt each other tremendously. In each instance, the Holy Spirit convicted the brother of how he had wronged his sibling. Further, it worked through the steps of forgiveness, first to God, then to themselves, and then to the brother they'd wounded. Each story was powerful and heartfelt, and the transition from wrong to repentance significant. Sadly, our lives don't work as smoothly as the works of fiction. They take work, incredible, painstaking, heart-wrenching work. But forgiveness is essential, not only to relieve the burden of fractured relationships, but to live in obedience to Jesus' instruction. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Such teaching leaves us little option but to seek and secure forgiveness. The reality is we can live in the pages of a book, and that book is the Word of God that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword cutting between bone and marrow. It is the Word that convicts us that we've wronged somebody or that we refuse to forgive someone for the wrong they've done us. Forgiveness is both circular and complete, showing us the full cost of unforgiveness and reaching the state of freedom that forgiveness offers. One writer explains that forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process by which one who may initially feel victimized undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding a given offense and overcomes negative emotions such as resentment, and vengeance. Hmm, that's a mouthful, but it speaks to the notion of feeling like a victim who has been intentionally or unintentionally harmed by another person and recognizes the consequences of remaining in that helpless and angry state. According to the Mayo Clinic, there are multiple effects of holding on to an offense, in indicating that it brings anger and bitterness into every relationship and new experience that it consumes each moment, preventing joy in the present, impacts our sense of worth and purpose and challenges our spiritual beliefs and values, tainting our ability to connect meaningfully to others. Those are serious consequences in and of themselves, let alone Jesus' words that it holds back our Father's forgiveness of our own wrongs, which is clearly why he teaches us to pray, forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. But how do we work on forgiveness? How do we forgive others? If it's a command, there must be a way that we can do it. Jesus accomplished it as indicated by his final words from the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Even after the betrayal, beating, and brutality, Jesus offered forgiveness to those who had wronged him. Even us, centuries later, for the power of the eternal spirit, Hebrews says, Christ Jesus offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. 
and God's will for us is to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all times. Therefore, Christ showed us the way it is done and what it accomplishes, the freedom from the penalty of sin. But how do we achieve this? For we've all felt the cost or weight of unforgiveness, the numbing heartache, the stinging sorrow, the festering anger, and the stabbing bitterness. None of us want to live this way. So what can we do? The writer of Hebrews tells us to come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. We remember the story of the first brothers, Cain and Abel, and Cain's insane jealousy of his brother's accepted sacrifice. Despite God's counsel and warning, Cain didn't do what was right, and sin crouched at his door, overtaking him so that he killed his brother. The consequence of his sin was severe, and Cain left the Lord's presence. He never sought forgiveness, and the taint of his bitterness and betrayal carried through his life and subsequent generations. But we don't have to live this way. Christ died to give us freedom from sin and showed us the way to forgiveness. It begins with us understanding the importance of forgiveness to ourselves and to others and the healing it brings. It stems from a deep faith that God's love is abundant and sufficient and that even though we've been wronged, we don't have to waste emotional energy trying to have that debt paid back to us. We can instead let it go and make room for the beautiful things God has prepared for us through his mercy and grace. To accomplish this, one writer suggests that we become forgivingly fit. This means that we can begin to exercise forgiveness through moment-to-moment choices, not to speak ill of the person who has wounded us, not to rehearse or recount the offenses they've done to us. It may not involve speaking positively about them, but it certainly means not listing their faults. As the Apostle Paul writes, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, The Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive others. We are also recommended to guard against pride, which can make us feel entitled or inflated, allowing us to hang on to our resentment as a noble cause. To avoid such a trap, we can seek out stories of those who extended mercy in place of vengeance, such as the railway man, a man who extended forgiveness to his cruel capture, who inflicted years of horrendous abuse on him. It's a powerful story of restoration and forgiveness that illustrates the potent impact of reconciliation. As one source indicates, forgiving doesn't mean that you condone what happened or that the perpetrator is blameless. It's making the conscious choice to release yourself from the burden, pain, and stress of holding on to resentment. This doesn't mean that you sweep your pain under the carpet and pretend that you weren't wounded by the person. It's important that we acknowledge what's happened to us and how it took place. Discuss the entire incident honestly with your Heavenly Father and with his guidance and compassion. Examine it closely, then release it completely into his loving hands. For he says he'll comfort those who mourn and he will rise with healing on his wings so we may go free. 
Next, we can consider what prompted that person to act in such a harsh way toward us. It what may have worked to create pain and bitterness in their lives that they would strike out against us in such a manner. We may never learn everything that caused their actions, but by pondering their humanity, it helps us develop empathy toward them and others. Understanding that hurting people hurt others enables us to pray more compassionately for those who have wounded us. Further, we can contemplate the purpose of our pain. What may God be teaching us about ourselves and others through our experience? Joseph learned to see the greater good that his suffering brought about, telling his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of others. Is there any good that has come out of your suffering? Has God used it to mold you into the person you are to help others? All his work in our lives is designed to accomplish his perfect work in us, to make us his masterpiece. Let's find hope in that. Perhaps you've tried to forgive and it's just too difficult. You know it's right. You know it's what God wants, but you can't wrap your head or heart around it. Then reach out to someone who you trust, someone you know has the strength and wisdom to hear your story and give you godly counsel and pray with you. James advises, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. In working through forgiveness, we also have to learn to forgive ourselves. If we're honest, God will always show us where we're wrong, and we need to ask for forgiveness first for our own wrongdoing, for he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then we need also to forgive ourselves for what we've done or said to wound others, including the person who's wounded us. Just as we have to learn that God forgives us of all of our sins and erases them through his blood as he does not hold them against us, neither must we. It would be like wearing grave clothes and ashes when we're not dead but alive in Christ. Finally, practice forgiveness. Apply it continually in situations at work, school, or family and friends. Keep short accounts in your head and in your heart. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, we're told in Ephesians 4.26, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. As one writer writes, if we shed bitterness and put love in its place and then repeat this with many, many other people, we become freed to love more widely and deeply. This kind of transformation can create a legacy of love that will live on long after we're gone. For as we live in God, our love grows more perfect every day. Amen, beloved. Amen.